everybody welcome to the nc real estate podcast i'm so excited that you're over here with us this tuesday thank you for listening and thank you for always making this podcast a really exciting place to be i love it when we get your awesome feedback so continue emailing us natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk or lorenzo which is property at ncrealestate.co.uk and give us your feedback let us know what you want to talk about let us know what you want to hear we are here to support you that's what this podcast is right over here to do right let's jump straight in because obviously as you guys all know there's some very topical in topical subjects going on in the property industry right now in London everybody saw the devastating events of Grenfell Tower last week which were utterly horrifying shouldn't have ever happened Um, and it just seems to be something that has just caused so much misery through lack of planning and lack of clarity of what residents should do lack of help lack of aid it's just awful like so 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 shocking and our hearts and our thoughts and just everything goes out to the families infected and friends with loved ones in there it's just awful 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 situation but again it's something that happens a lot Lorenza has also had to deal with something very similar in her hometown yes in in Neisner um about 10 days ago there was a a really, really awful fire, um, which, which you know, we tried to detect the cause. Um, and uh, there had been a period of, of relative doubt and, and a combination that day of gale force winds. And, you know, whatever the cause, Neisner um, is an a- idyllic little town where the rest of the world comes to, to relax and just live in a kind of bubble. So nobody... I think the the main point I'm trying to make here is that nobody was prepared, um, and and the fire was was so huge and spread over such a large area that there isn't really anything people could do to protect their homes. <clears throat> but what they could have what they could have done was you know be be more prepared in how to evacuate and when to evacuate and and you know who to call and. So kind of more for planning when the fire has already started as opposed to to trying to you know protect protect their homes. Yeah. And this is something that we've both been talking about a lot over the last week or so, hasn't it? Because it, it's just absolutely devastating. It ruins lives and whether people die from it, which is horrendous, utterly horrendous, or they lose their homes and their well beings, which is also utterly horrendous. The problem is, is that they are left really having to pick up the whole contents of their lives and start again. And I think that's that's the biggest shock to the system. And as outsiders, we look at this and we're just, I think for a lot of us, me especially, just in disbelief at how much havoc this wrecks. I think it's terrible. I think it's utterly terrible. And it's not just for the, you know, I think it all comes down to different levels. So, of course, there's the immediate relief that is necessary, the handing out of, you know, basic food and toiletries. Um, And then, of course, trying to find out where can these people go when the next week starts. And um, the whole process, um, especially in, in the Neisner case, is going to take years. I mean, estimating three to five years before things can even look vaguely normal again um, because of the extent of the damage. And, and uh, for example, Neisner is a, is a very touristic town. 
um, which obviously is going to impact on its economy. And, you know, the repercussions are just enormous and they go on and on and on. It's not just the immediate thing. So, um, so really, how does one prevent this? How does one protect, protect oneself? And bringing us, I guess, to the subject of landlords and their responsibility to their tenants. Yeah, and I think it's, this is something that we definitely needed to cover and we need to have a really serious conversation about it because everybody who's listening to this podcast, I think, is in, in the group of investors, landlords, people who want to get into property investing. They want to be landlords themselves. And I think you have to understand the very basic basic role of your job as a landlord or property investor is to show a duty of care to your tenants and make sure that they're in a safe comfortable environment that is the very basics of your job that's what you have to do and yes there's strategy about growing an asset and making sure it's performing really well but you always have to return to the very simple fact that what you have to do at ground level is look after your tenants and fire is one of the biggest 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 issues because when it happens it happens quickly and it's not just the fire that causes damage it's the smoke that causes damage as well and so you need to make sure that you are super prepared for that and really the more prepared you are today if worst case scenario something ever goes wrong which i seriously hope it doesn't like honestly i really really just do not wish that on anybody but if you're prepared for it at least that will save lives and that's what you've got to do mm-hmm. so what are some some of the practical safety measures that can be uh, be installed in one's home to prevent a fire from taking place um to start off with the very basic that you need to have is an emergency escape procedure how are your tenants going to get out in the event of a fire and a lot of people say to me well How would I know that? How do I know? How can I prepare for that? Well, you need to be asking the basic questions of the people who are in the know. So your local fire brigade will have all of this knowledge. Or you can speak to environmental health at your local council. They will be able to tell you what the best practice is in case of a fire. And it's imperative that you have this because um, rules, regulations, what the fire brigade are going to do changes over time. It's more health and safety measures come into place. So you need to be constantly updating this and reviewing it. And actually getting a fire risk assessment done for your property, which is probably uh, like it costs a little bit of money, maybe £135 to £150, but it's invaluable because then it shows you exactly what you need to do to protect your home. It comes with a complete list of things and it says medium risk, high risk, low risk, and you go through it and you just sort it all out and you make sure that your home is fire safe. That's that's what fire risk assessments do and from that you can formulate an emergency escape procedure as well. So. The first place is to go through your property and see what's going on. So, you know, can you protect your, can, will your tenants be able to escape in the event of an emergency? That's the first thing you need to be asking yourself. Even if they were, say, stuck in a room, does your window open wide enough that the fire brigade would be able to come in and get them out? Do you have fire safety doors which would close behind the tenant and you can keep them shut and it gives them 30 minutes for the fire brigade to arrive and get them out? Do you have that? Do you have the fire protection strips around the doors? Do you have the self-closers on the doors? You need to be having a look at that because again, that is incredibly important. And another thing that is very much overlooked, and this is again something you need to be thinking about, locks on doors. Can you, can your pet tenants 
open a door easily without having to use a key so that they can escape? Is it just one of those push button mechanisms that they can then pull and then they can run out? You need to have a look at that as well, because if they have to be running around the house finding a key in order to unlock the door to get out their emergency escape procedure, that could take time. That could take time that they just don't have. So these are also and also yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Just to just to reiterate on that, um, I think people are you never really know how you're going to react. Um, you know, there are some characters, even though they might know the procedure of what to do, they just it's almost like you freeze or you just be, become chaotic. And hopefully, um, you know that you can you you really know the procedure well enough that it's almost like instinctive. Okay, yes. this is what we've got to do now. But not everybody behaves like that. I mean, and I saw many examples of this uh, running around Neisner, just you know, acting completely irrationally, uh, not knowing what to do, almost just running around in circles. I mean, the you know, chaos and that fear can really, really, um, you know, make you lose what are you supposed to be doing. And that's why I think with the keys, it's really, really important to have an easy lock to open and and make it as easy as possible for them, just to simple and easy enough just to get out. Exactly. And then we move on to the file warning systems. And these can come in multiple different warning systems. And trust me, this is what you need a fire risk assessment for, because that will point out exactly what you need in your property. You can get smoke detectors, you can get heat detectors, you can get different sorts of detectors throughout your house, you can get it on a fire alarm panel, or you can get individual just smoke detector heads, which you pop up on the on the ceiling in, in your property. And Again, the number that you need will be determined by a fire risk assessment. I couldn't tell you for definite that you need one or two, but you need to make sure that you've at least got enough that people can hear and they can hear in all parts of the building. And this is a debate that I'm having with one of my flats at the moment. Me and the freeholder are at loggerheads because really what should happen is if you're in a flat, say, your fire alarm system should be linked with every single area of the building. So if you've got commercial downstairs, ground and basement, your fire alarm panel for the upper parts where the residential are should be linked to the ground and basement as well. That way, if there is a fire in the ground and basement, upstairs know when they can get out really, really quickly. It's a real simple thing to do as well. Um, usually what happens is whoever installed your fire alarm panel will come along, drill a hole into the wall and link the two fire alarm panels together. And really there's normally about a 30 second delay from one panel to the other. So in the re retail units to the residential upstairs, there's a 30 second delay. So if it's just like someone's burnt a bit of toast, someone can run to the panel and turn it off. That's how it should happen, but actually then that's that's how it all fits in. In this particular flat that I own, they do not link the re the, res the retail to the residential upstairs, and I've been going on at this them about this for months because it should be happening. Because if there is a fire in the shops at the weekend, my tenants upstairs won't hear it, and then they'll be trapped because there is no other escape because it's an old Georgian block. So it's built years, hundreds of years ago actually. It's an old Georgian block and they're not going to be able to get out if that happens and there's suddenly a fire in the common parts, which is terrifying. But here's the other thing. I'm not the responsible person for this. 
my freeholder is and they now they know about it i've told them this i know where the problems are and i've told them this they've got the responsibility now to do something about it and this is also what you should be doing you need to be making sure not only are you protecting yourself and your areas and making sure that your tenants can get out you are also if you've got a freeholder above you or a property manager above you who needs to look after everything you are going to them and you are highlighting the problems that you can see because if you just sat on it and were like yeah well knew that could happen but i've not told anybody about it you are to blame if anything goes wrong you need to be letting the people who are in control know about this and you need to be making sure that you are making sure that your property is as safe as possible for example if you've got an empty property here's one thing that i've always always learned to do and go and inspect it from time to time and pick up the post inside the letterbox because unfortunately, what sometimes happens is people can go along and put a lit match through the letterbox and all your post goes up from the property being empty plus the rest of the building. Or, you know, it's a hot day, the sunshine's coming through the window of the door and then it lights your post on fire. Please, if you've got vacant buildings, go through and just remove anything that could be flammable sitting in there. That's another good way of stopping fires. Just really act, act with some common sense around fires as well just make sure that you know what what will happen in the event of a fire your tenants know who to call can i also point out one really massive thing tenants do not normally think to call the fire brigade as first case scenario and i know that yes. sounds mad but in all the times that i've been managing properties i think i've had a small fire happen twice in a massive commercial building the first person they called was me I've at that I can't do anything because I'm not at the building. Your tenants need to know that they should call the fire brigade first. Now, of course, as a property yeah. manager, I'll also call the fire brigade. But if you are there and you can see what happened and you're now evacuating everybody and you're evacuating yourself, you need to be on the phone to fire brigade at the same time telling them what's going on or at least when you're in a safe place. So make sure as well your tenants know what number to call. So in the UK, 999, I know you guys know this. But your tenants in that panic, as Lorenzo was already going through, may not know it. They may forget about it. So you just need to be explicit and state, call 999 first, then call me because I can do something about it from my end. Yes. Yes. And also, and also when to call. And I don't think, um, you know, maybe people say, oh, I don't want to be an inconvenience. It's a small file. <clears throat> be able to put it out or whatever the case is. No, just... If it's a fire, call somebody because these things can spread really, really quickly. Um, so don't wait, you know, don't see a fire, try to put it out. And, but in the meantime, call, you know, the fire brigade to, to come and sort it out. Exactly, exactly. And especially if the fire alarm's going off. I mean, for most, for most tenants as well, commercial, I have this more of a problem than residential, but commercial tenants like to just get on with their day. And I, one of the blocks that I used to manage, it was huge. And the fire alarm would go off and they wouldn't see the fire because they'd not looked around. And all of a sudden, um, the fire alarm panel would go off and everybody's kind of evacuated themselves. Not, ev not evacuated, they've sat at their desk, not evacuated, and there's still a fire going on. Make sure that people mm. know, hear, hear the fire alarm, evacuate, unless they've been told it's fire testing. Unless you otherwise know, make sure that they're evacuating the building and they are calling the fire brigade to let them know. And the fire brigade will come out and turn off the panel. That's not an issue. Yes. Um, 
All right, and then the next thing is more about insurance um, after the fact of the fire. Um, is there a kind of insurance that protects um, the tenants um, in the case that there is a fire and they have lost their home and all of their possessions? Or what are there different kinds of insurance for 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 these damages? Yes. So as a landlord, you're going to get buildings insurance. Your tenants should get contents insurance to look after all of their contents. So that's where the difference is. Unless you are a HMO landlord, you will be insuring all of your furniture. Or if you're a landlord who's put furniture into the property, again, you will be insuring anything that you've put into the property plus your building. So please make note of that. That is what you're doing. But on top of buildings insurance, you can also put alternative accommodation insurance in place as well which means that if anything happens that your tenants cannot live in a property you can go and put them in somewhere else and your insurance will pick up the cost of it invaluable guys absolutely invaluable i know that it might not seem like this is going to be an everyday event but the one time it is an everyday event what are you going to do with your tenants because you're responsible to put them in a different uh, different property and a property that's safe that's your responsibility as a landlord so please make sure that you're insuring for this um, and also make sure you're getting loss of rent cover as a landlord you need to be getting loss of rent for the in the unlikely of situation where this does happen but if your property cannot get rental income for a number of months or even longer than that you need to be covered for it because yeah. otherwise you're going to have to be paying for something that you're getting no income from. So make sure that you are insured properly. And also, very, very, very big tip of advice here. Please, as soon as you find out about the fire or the incident, let your insurers know. Let your insurers know what's happened because you are going to have to be t reporting to them exactly what's going on from the start of the incident. No point trying to claim in a couple of weeks time couple of months time where everything's died down you need to be onto the phone to them immediately and this is where your fire risk assessment comes into play because you need to say actually i did everything i could to protect myself against a fire happening here's the evidence for this here's my fire risk assessment here's what i've done based on the fire risk assessment so actually i've put everything in place from my end please can you recover me that's if you still have those documents to show them yeah <laughs> Well, most of them should be electronic, so you should have them saved somewhere. Um, I, I just uh, kind of, it seemed a bit absurd, and just to change the topic slightly, but during, during, the, um, during the fires here, people would try to get to the emergency fire hydrants that they'd have installed in their kitchen um, or, you know, in the backyard and uh, would find that those were on fire too. So, so perhaps have a couple... <laughs> you know, stashed away in the garden or, you know, something that, that it, you know, that you can get to in case the one that you need is on fire. <laughs> so, so over here, actually, in the UK right now, um, you would generally only have um, fire extinguishers in common parts of commercial buildings. They don't put them anywhere else. Um, so your residential properties probably wouldn't have them. The best, the best thing to do is for people to escape. The reason they don't is because people think that they are fighting fires correctly, so they, they all of a sudden run towards the fire and it could be worse than it, they, they thought it was. Or you could be using the wrong type of fire extinguisher on a certain fire. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. So 
They've stopped allowing residential units to have it in because of that. They'd rather you just get out <laughs> and let the let the fire teams put out the fire. So yes. that's yes. really that's what it is over here. But I agree with you. You need to make sure that you. This is all about being prepared, isn't it? It's all about knowing what to do in the event of a fire. So if you tell your tenants, you tell people what to do when they're calm and they can plan for it. Yes. They will then be able to manage that situation when it does yes. arise. They'd, they'd manage it better. Um, yeah, they'd manage it better. There was an example of a of a of a woman. Um, I think she was probably in her mid seventies, and she just refused to leave her house. Um, and the fire, the the emergency services actually went to her house, and they were trying to get her out. And they said, "No, she's she's going to sue them for trying to make them leave her property." I mean, it was this whole thing, you know, because people really act irrationally in these cases. So eventually, the police arrived, and she was arrested, and that was the only way that they could get her off her property, which actually burned down, and she would have been she would have died. Um, I mean, so absolute madness. So really, really plan for these kinds of things. I think that was the point uh, because you don't know really how you're going to behave faced with such disaster, really. Exactly. Exactly. So let's just recap on this because I know we've talked about a lot and there's a lot of information to take in. But really, I think the two most important points that you can do right now and what you can do immediately as landlords is make sure you've got an emergency evacuation procedure in place and your tenants know about it, how to get out and who to call. You've also got a fire risk assessment completed so you know what you should be doing and act on it please, don't just have the fire risk assessment done and then just sit with it and be like yeah I know to do that but I'm not doing anything about it. Saving lives is more important than spending money so don't be tight about this please, just go out there and act on whatever your fire risk assessment says make sure that it's all in line with that and that you're protecting your tenants and then as an aside make sure that you're getting appropriate insurance and i think that's exactly how you can prepare yourself for this yes yes and let's hope uh, nothing like this happens in the in the near future. It seems to be happening quite frequently around the world. So it does. It does. And I think as landlords, we've got a responsibility to make sure that we're putting in place best practice. So, guys, if you've listened to this, please act on it because I've given you that information. Do not say that you don't know what to do because you've listened to it. You know what to do, yes. guys. Please go out and do it. Please, please, please go out and do it. Look after your tenants. And look after your properties mm -hmm. as well. Because if you can prevent something from happening, it means that you've still got a property that stands at the end of it. Which is great. Yes. You don't want these properties burning down. So please make sure you're prepared for it. And, it, and it's really just doing it once. It's just getting that organized the very first time getting yourself set up and there might be a bit of money and a little bit of you know going back and testing if the fire alarms are working but it's really just that initial setup exactly exactly and then from there on out um you will have to update your fire risk assessment every year but it won't be as bad as lorenza said and tenants of residential properties please make sure before every tenant goes into your residential property you're testing the smoke detectors work that's now legislation you have to do it and then write it down and mark it as that's what you've done sorry i've forgotten to mention that earlier but please make sure that's what you're doing test it before every tenancy make sure you're in there change the batteries if you're unsure you don't know if it's going to work or not just change the batteries make sure it's working that's my final tip of advice 
So I think that brings us to the end of this podcast. I hope you've learned a lot. I hope it's been really, really useful for you. This this is normally information that we go through with our clients, but I feel it's something that you very much need to know, and I want to give it out to make sure that disasters like this are not a routine occurrence. In fact, I don't want it to see it ever happen again. So we need to be putting ourselves out there and making sure that we are the most prepared we possibly can be. And I hope that this podcast has gone a long way to making sure that you guys are prepared as landlords and investors and you know what to do and how to act so right well thanks yeah thanks a lot for that Natasha and um, I hope that you all tune in next week on Tuesday morning yes have a fabulous week everybody stay safe make sure you're looking after your tenants and your properties and we'll catch up with you again next Tuesday